Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Well, today I want to start a brand new book of the Bible, uh, the book of Colossians. And uh, this is a book that I think will really speak to our situation in the world today. Uh, much of what's in this uh, wonderful book is uh, very relevant uh, to the times that we live in. Uh, as a point of introduction, uh, let me say, first of all, the author of the book of uh, Colossians, I believe, is the Apostle Paul. Uh, this is one of his prison letters that he wrote while he was in prison uh, in the city of Rome, probably around uh, 62-63 AD. Uh, of course, the Apostle Paul uh, was used of the Holy Spirit to uh, pen down uh, 13 epistles, and uh, all of them begin with the name Paul. So we know that Paul is the uh, author of this particular book of the Bible because it says in Colossians 1 verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so we know who the author is. Now uh, let's look at this city called Colossae. Uh, Colossae was a city in Asia Minor, uh, which would be today modern-day Turkey. Uh, in Paul's day, it was a small city. It had been a large city at one time, uh, a very prosperous city. But um, by the time the Apostle Paul came along, it had decreased in size and was not near uh, as important as it had been. Uh, as a matter of fact, it was completely destroyed in the 12th century. And the, the site where the city of Colossae was is, is unoccupied at this present time. Uh, at the time, the Apostle Paul uh, wrote this letter to the uh, church at Colossae. Uh, it was, the city was primarily made up of Gentiles, though there was a sizable Jewish com uh, community there, primarily Gentiles. Now, there was a heresy that was threatening the church there at Colossae, and what had happened was, uh, a man by the name of Epaphras had, um, had gone all the way to Rome to visit Paul in prison there in Rome and tell him of the conditions uh, that was taking place in the church located in the city of Colossae. Uh, and so he told Paul all about what was going on. Now probably uh, Epaphras uh, founded the church there in Colossae. Uh, he was probably converted through the ministry of the Apostle Paul when he was in Ephesus, and then uh, Epaphras went to back to his hometown of Colossae and uh, began a church there. So he makes that 1,300-mile uh, trip from the city of Colossae in the days of Paul to Rome to visit Paul to get his uh, advice about what to do about the heresies that was going on there in the city and particularly in the church at Colossae. You see, uh, when Epaphras established that church, uh, it was established in a pagan culture, a culture that 
worshipped many gods. And so what was going on basically was the church there was by it was being affected by people in it that were going back to all the old pagan ways. And uh, of course Epaphras wanted to know what to do. And of course well, that's what we have with the letter uh, our epistle of Coloss uh, Colossians is telling Epaphras what to do and also telling us what to do when we face heresy today. Because there are many heresies in the world today. False religion. Uh, false cults. Uh, and uh, so that's something that has been going on for a long time. The Colossian, Colossian heresy seemed to be uh, made up of two elements. Uh, Greek philosophy and Jude, uh, Judaistic um, legalism. Uh, and there was a lot of mixture in there as well. There was mysticism uh, that was mixed in as well. And of course, uh, there was Gnosticism. Gnosticism, the word means knowledge, and uh, the Gnostics claim to have more full knowledge about the mysteries of life uh, than anybody else. And uh, they, of course, uh, believe that uh, you could get this knowledge from dreams and, and visions and, and just human reason. You could come to a greater knowledge than you would get from the Word of God. Now, the thinking of these Gnostics was that Jesus was just a man. Uh, the divine spirit of Christ came to him at baptism, but then it left him, the divine spirit did, at death. Therefore, Jesus died just uh, a death like any man would die. Uh, there was no atonement, no sacrifice for sin, no resurrection from the dead. And so that's what the Gnostics taught. Others believe that the body of Jesus was a spiritual body, that he really never had a physical body, but that it was just a spirit body uh, and that it was uh, immaterial. Uh, the uh, main heir, though, of the heresies that was being taught uh, in the church at Colossae was that Jesus was not God in the flesh, that Jesus was not divine, all right? And uh, so that's something that uh, we have been taught today, that Jesus was a good man, a good teacher, uh, all of these things, but he was not God in the flesh. Well, the question comes up, well, how can a person counteract the false philosophies that exist with us even today? As a matter of fact, there has been a book written by Walter Martin called The Kingdom of the Cults, and it uh, lists all the cults in the world uh, today and uh, defines them all and tells what they believe. Uh, so the true word of God is being challenged today and the true church is being challenged by many cults and false philosophies. Well, how can you counteract that? Well, there's one certain way to do it, and that is by being rooted and grounded in the word of God. Uh, see, if you are rooted and grounded in the, the Word of God, then you'll be able to detect a counterfeit when it comes along. I'm told that uh, bank tellers uh, handle a lot of 
uh, real money so that whenever a counterfeit bill comes along, they can detect it like that because it doesn't have the same feel. There's something wrong with it. And uh, in other words, they, they handle the real thing so much that they can detect a false um, $10 bill or a $100 bill when it comes along. Well, the same principle is true in regards to knowing the truth, and that is uh, handling the Word of God. Get rooted and grounded in God's Word, and then when you hear something that is not found in God's Word, that is not taught in God's Word, you know that it is heresy, that it is false, and uh, that is of the devil and not of God. And so that gives you a little idea about what was going on in the city of Colossae and particularly the church that was located there in Colossae uh, in the days of the Apostle Paul. Well, let's get into uh, the book itself and we'll look please at chapter 1 and notice uh, verse 1. Paul writes, And Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, and Timotheus our brother, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you, and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, what we have here in verse 1 is the personal greeting of the Apostle Paul. The first thing that he does is he establishes his apostleship. Uh, the Bible says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ. The word apostle means a sent one. He was sent by Jesus Christ uh, to not only preach the gospel, but he was sent to establish churches. And so Paul establishes his apostleship, which gives him credibility. Uh, the Bible talks about uh, the church uh, in the book of Ephesians, uh, chapter uh Four in verse 11, it says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. So the church started out with apostles. And Paul was one of those original um, apostles. And uh, so he wants the church at Colossae to know this letter is coming from the apostle Paul. Not just from some guy named Paul, but the apostle Paul and that establishes his credibility. And then we see that his calling is established as well. Uh, he uh, says, let me read it once again in Colossians chapter 1, verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God. Now he establishes here that uh, he has been made an apostle, not by his own will, but by the will of God. God chose him to be an apostle. That's his calling. Uh, you know, if uh, our calling is uh, by our mom or our dad or uh, by uh, someone earthly that, uh, you know, is not, uh, is, is not from God, then it doesn't have any credibility at all. Paul wants them to know that him being an apostle was not his idea, but it was God's idea that God had called him to that ministry. I like what it says over in the book of, of uh, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 21. The Bible says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but 
holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so this Bible I hold in my hand is not just a bunch of men's opinions. Uh, you see, the Bible is written by 40 different authors over a period of 1,500 years, but it was not by the will of these men. It was by the will of God and the Holy Spirit, the Bible says, spake and they were moved by the Holy Spirit to write what they wrote. So when we go back to the book of Colossians, we find out the Apostle Paul is saying, uh, this letter that I'm writing isn't just from me and my opinions, but it's by the will of God. And then he goes on to mention uh, his approval of Timothy. He says, and Timotheus, our brother. Timothy, of course, was a Christian brother. Uh, he was not an apostle. But Paul is letting the church know, the church at Colossae know, that Timothy is approved by the Apostle Paul. You know, it's good when somebody recommends us, and that, uh, of course, someone like the Apostle Paul, if he would recommend you, then that would instantly give you credibility to those uh, that you were in contact with. And so we see uh, the personal greeting of Paul in verse 1. Now in verse 2, we see the people that he's writing to. Let's take a look at verse 2. The Bible says, To the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. Now notice he's writing to the saints. Now you say, Preacher, what is a saint? A saint is simply someone that has repented of their sins and received Jesus Christ as their Savior. A saved person, every saved person, is a saint of God. When we think of a saint, you know, we think of somebody with a halo around their head or uh, that they're just perfect and they never do anything wrong and whatever. No, that's not the Bible definition of a saint. The Bible definition of a saint is, is a believer on the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, sainthood is a work of God in the believer. It's, it, it's not a work of man. Uh, let me go to the book of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and read a, a scripture to you there in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 and verse 2. The Bible says, Into the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, Notice the, them that are sanctified or separated in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, uh, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord. So a saint is simply a, a person who has believed or trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone for their salvation. Now, our Roman Catholic friends uh, disagree. They believe that uh, saint, uh, being a saint is a process, that it's a, a progressive thing, that you uh, go through a, a process of uh, beatification, and then uh, after a period of time, you finally become a saint. And, of course, you, you may not even become a saint in your own lifetime. You may be declared a saint after your death. And they have certain um, rules and regulations that would qualify you to be a saint. Well, that is Roman uh, Catholic doctrine, church doctrine, but it's not Bible doctrine. Bible doctrine, or Bible teaching, is that a saint is a person who has been born again of the Spirit of God, a saved person. 
And uh, so when uh, the Apostle Paul writes here, and he says, to the saints and faithful brethren in Christ, uh, which are at Colossae, he is simply saying, I'm writing to all of you saved people there in the church at Colossae. And then he also says something about them. He says, the faithful brethren. Uh, he calls them faithful. Um, you know, this is a work of man. Uh, being a saint is a work of God in man, when man or woman believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. But to be faithful depends upon man, or depends upon woman, depends upon uh, the, the Christian to be faithful. So these people were not only saints, saints but they were faithful saints to the faithful brethren in Christ, which are at Colossae. So uh, we can be a, a saint of God. Now hear me. Uh, we can, uh, I can be a saint of God and still not be faithful to God. I should be, but uh, I can be in Christ. I can be saved on my way to heaven and uh, do something that would make me unfaithful to Christ. Uh, I shouldn't do that, and if I do that, I should certainly confess it as sin and get right with God. But we ought to not only be a, a saint of God, but we ought to be a faithful saint of God. Uh, we'll never accomplish anything for God unless we are faithful to Him. By the way, Jesus said when He comes back, uh, he's going to speak to those who, who are faithful. He's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Uh, faithfulness has to do with our rewards for Christ. Sainthood has to do with our belief on Christ as our personal Savior. And so we see the people he's writing to, and then we see his prayers for the people there uh, at Colossae, uh, in, the, uh, in the church at Colossae. Let's take a look at that for just a moment. Notice what he prays. He says, we give thanks and uh, when he says we, uh, he, evidently there's somebody there with him in prison. And he says, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. Now notice there the first thing he prays for is that God's grace will be on them. He says, we give thanks to God and the Father, uh, I beg your pardon, uh, he says, uh, in, in verse 2, to the saints and the faithful brethren in, in Christ, which are at Colossae, grace be unto you. So he's praying grace be to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So he's praying that God's grace will be upon them. What is God's grace? God's grace is God's favor. To be uh, specific, it's God's unmerited, undeserved favor. And so they already have the grace of God for salvation. Now he's praying that God will bless them or that God would favor them with his grace. See, grace is not just good for salvation. Grace is good for Christian living. Uh, we should uh, ask God for his grace every day, his, his favor on our lives every day. And that's, what, that's the prayer that, uh, that the Apostle Paul uh, is praying for them. And then he prays for God's peace upon them. He says there in verse 2, grace be unto you and peace. All right? He knows this, that unless God's peace is upon this church at Colossae, they'll not be successful in getting anything done for God. 
Uh, evidently, these false uh, heresies and, and false beliefs had crept into that church and was disturbing the peace. So he's praying that the saints there will not lose their peace, that, that, that God will give them his peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, but my peace I give unto you. So he's praying God's peace will be upon that church. See, a church that is in discord, where there's people not at peace with each other, is not a church where the Holy Spirit of God can work. The Holy Spirit, you grieve the Holy Spirit when you don't have peace in, in a church. Uh, you grieve the Holy Spirit if you don't have peace in your own life or in your, in your marriage. But he prays God's peace upon them uh, as well. And I think it's interesting here, the way that he words this, and I say he words it, actually the Holy Spirit through him. He says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice what he says there, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Why is he, why is he mentioning uh, God the Father with the Lord Jesus Christ? Why is he uh, combining the two is the question. I believe it's because uh, of the false teaching that was going on in the church at uh, Colossae that denied the deity of Jesus Christ. So he says right here, the Apostle Paul does, look, I want you to know they're one and the same. And I want you to know that I'm equating God the Father with the Lord Jesus. Uh, so that's what he says there in, uh, in verse 2, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He says in verse 3, we give thanks to God and, uh, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wants them to see that that God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ are one and the same. Now, I don't claim to understand all about the deity, uh, the deity or the Trinity, but it's both truths are taught in the Word of God. Uh, uh, when you see the word Lord, for instance, you have here in, in verse 2, uh, grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and the Lord, the Lordhood of Jesus Christ speaks of his authority. Jesus has the same authority as God. Uh, of course, when it mentions Jesus here, the Lord Jesus, Jesus speaks of his humanity, but Christ speaks of his deity. So Jesus was both human and divine. And he was a real person. So what the Apostle Paul is doing here through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is establishing right at the beginning to the believers at Colossae, to the church at Colossae, that Jesus is Lord. He is the authority. He's God's authority because he is God, God the Son. Uh, Jesus was fully human. He was also fully divine. So he makes that clear in uh, this opening passage of uh, the book of Colossians. And he says, We give thanks to God and, uh, our, uh, and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. He, he thanks God for them. Uh, that's, that's a good thing to do, to, to uh, say to someone, I thank God for you. He gives, he gives thanks to God in his prayer for them. What it does, it shows that Paul has love for the church at Colossae, speaking of the believers there, and he has confidence in them. 
He thanks God for them. All right. They're, they're a light shining in a dark place there in the city of Colossae during the time of the Apostle Paul. And, uh, and not only that, but notice here in verse 3, he says, We give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. He's saying here that I want you to know that, uh, the, the, that God the Father and God the Son uh, is, is involved in this. And I'm praying, look at it again, verse 3, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you. He includes both of them again in verse 3, showing us that God the Father and God the Son are co-equal. Of course, God the Holy Spirit is as well. But uh, I like what he says there. He says, praying always for you. Praying always. Boy, listen, it is a blessing when somebody says, uh, I pray always for you. Now, that doesn't mean that uh, a person spends 24 hours a day, seven days a week praying just for you. But it does mean that you're in their thoughts. And uh, when they think of you, they pray God will bless you. And that's what Paul is saying here. He's saying more or less, when I think of you Christians there at Colossae, uh, I give thanks for you. And, uh, and I always pray for you. And so that's... That's something that we ought to do for each other. Well, we're going to look at uh, another thing uh, in our next session. So I, I hope you will uh, watch the next session as we look at the uh, particular spiritual attributes uh, of these people at Colossae. Uh, Paul is going, to, is going to point out some spiritual attributes that they have that I think that you and I both need as well. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at Hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Thank you for listening.